0: Blaine Kylo, how are you? Welcome back to the program.
1: Thank you very much. It's nice to be here.
0: You've uh, you survived all of the wind and the storms and all of the things for another uh, another look at technology. Have you?
1: Yeah, our technology all went dark last night. We had a power outage at some point in the middle of the night, but you know a lot of a lot of our technology now, even though um, it requires electricity to work. There's enough residual power in most of our, the devices that we use these days that they at least keep time, so you don't have to mm-hmm. run around resetting clocks all the time like you used to after a power outage.
0: Like the old days, except for the stove, they haven't figured out how to make it happen on the stove, which oh, is I ironic. Think you, just,
1: you just need to you just need to get a different stove.
0: Is that what it is? A high tech stove? I should get oh, like gosh. one of those Wi-Fi stoves where I can cook from my bed. You,
1: well, <laughs> I'll tell you, there's there's pretty fancy. Uh, refrigerators coming from LG these days that we'll talk about in a little bit?
0: Uh, You know, there was, uh, there's that episode of Modern Family where they bring like a smart fridge into the house and then they start getting into fights about who is the the best friend and if they're cheating on each other with the fridge because they're like playing music and dancing it's a good episode if you haven't seen it i absolutely recommend it all right where do we get started in uh technological world land blaine kylo at solo core uh it's been a heck of a week in social media land in regards to uh facebook and instagram have uh banned trump Twitter has permanently banned his uh, Twitter handle, and he also got his strike at a one-week ban on YouTube now. Update us with what's going on.
1: Yeah, well, th- th- that's kind of the highlights, actually. Um, it The big conversation over the past few days has been, why did it take four years for the different social media platforms to actually have an impact and decide to stand up and, and take a stand here? Arguably, it's a little late for them, but at least they're doing something. Um, And Donald Trump has not only been deplatformed from all of those social channels, but related interest groups and other platforms are being shut down. So Reddit is shut down. It's Reddit, subreddit, Donald Trump. PayPal and Shopify have stopped providing services to Trump-related organizations. And so nobody can sell their stuff. Um, Trump can't actually process payments for his campaign right now because Stripe, which had been processing payments, has canceled that account. So the the list is is pretty extensive and it's kind of that the fallout continues. It's now actually having an impact on all of his businesses and all brands that had relationships with Trump and the Trump companies. They're all kind of parting ways now.
0: That's not like there aren't other solutions out there for online stores and payment processing, though. I mean, it can't take long before they're back up and at it, can it?
1: Well, that's the interesting thing is there actually are fewer than you think. You know, one of the things, there are multiple organizations that provide that, but they all rely on their own services, right? And this is one of the things that we saw with Parlay or Parler um, this week also is it was Amazon Web Services, AWS, that provided all of the hosting for that platform. That's why they ultimately are likely gone forever because AWS is kind of the go-to um, web service provider these days. And so it, it's also true for some of these other things. Um, there might be other services that will provide payment options, but if they're running on Amazon web service platforms or services, uh, Amazon could say, yeah, we don't think that uh, we want you to be doing business with that company. And so it can have a knock-on effect.
0: I see. So like if it was Joe's bank and they did their banking with Joe's bank, but Joe's bank was a customer of, of Amazon web services, then that potentially could create a problem if I'm (laughs) understanding
1: Yeah. AWS says, Hey, Joe's bank, um, we've kicked them off. And if you want to continue your relationship with us, then you're going to have to follow suit. Now, this is what the free market and capitalism is all about, right? These companies are not bound by anything. Um, they can pick and choose who they want to do business with.
0: Yeah. And, and uh, Trump actually did. Um, it was, uh, because uh, there's a text that came in that says, "I don't." Trump actually even use those platforms. He absolutely did. His stores were. He had a bunch of stores on Shopify that were shut down. So yeah, um, and,
1: you know, it's not it's not Donald himself sitting there Instagramming, right? But but no. it's his people and his brand and his organization that are taking advantage of all of these things. You know, it's well, funny. T- he 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 was he was talking about banning TikTok, and TikTok banned him first.
0: Oh, that's funny. I didn't know that. Um, Well, I mean, and to to the point of of. I mean, you have to imagine the the business reach of this guy. It's like 500 companies, right? You know, and, and most of those are just holding this and holding that, but there's a whole bunch out there. And if you think about some of the things that he's done in the past, he had Donald Trump ties, he had Donald Trump steaks. He's had all kinds of retail-based products. And even if you imagine selling ties alone online, then that would be a good example of of just some of the more simple things uh, that would be affected by that. And if you look at his golf courses and hotels, this is where it would get really interesting because hotel booking systems and, um, reservation systems, payment systems for some of the hotels I imagine has become conversation. Um, like for the the Trump hotels.
1: Yeah. A lot of the hotels actually, he doesn't even own, he just licenses licenses the name to them. So, you know, we'll see it happened in Vancouver. There was a Trump building and, as he got elected, lots of people in Vancouver were like, well, maybe you shouldn't actually keep that. They did keep the brand for a while, but uh, I I believe that it's now gone and the Trump name has been removed from that building.
0: Now, we did talk about Parler here on the show, um, so we don't need to dig into it too much, but I am curious about your perspective on Parler as a social platform and the fact that uh, Amazon has also uh, kicked it to the curb.
1: Well, what, what I have been... Listening to a lot over the past few days and reading is, I'm I'm really not sure whether deplatforming is a good or a bad thing. It kind of depends on who you talk to, and so that's really what I think is the interesting story here is um, the especially the extreme militia right wingers that were a part of Parler um, that are now being forced underground because they don't have this platform. My sense is is that that's good because. They're going to find a way to connect and communicate anyway, but because they're not on something that's really simple and easy to use, they can't recruit from the general public the way that they could when they had access to Twitter and Facebook and Parler and all these other things. Where there is a problem, I think, is it's certainly a problem for law enforcement because it's harder to track What's going on when you don't have easy access to those conversations? It, it was it was ridiculously easy for law enforcement to actually tap in to what was going on in Facebook and Twitter. And while it didn't seem like they were paying attention and they certainly didn't come up with a good enough response in in Washington the other day, Law enforcement and the FBI are paying attention to what's going on in these channels, and if those conversations aren't happening, their job becomes harder because they now have to try and find a way to get into those communities in some of these other services like Telegraph and... Um, Telegraph in particular, where it's all encrypted, and so people actually have private conversations. That's one of the most ridiculous things about that. That's been revealed about Parler over the past few days. Is it turns out that they they put that thing together so terribly that in fact nothing was actually encrypted. All of that information was widely available, and in fact, web archivists have downloaded. Almost all of the parlor database before it went down because they, the developers, it was just so poorly done. They were able to just run scripts and actually download posts, images, videos, and all of that is tied to user information. So anybody who was on parlor, if you think that you were on there anonymously, you weren't.
0: Wow, that's remarkable. Um, And I always call it hooliganism to your point of that, you know, it's easy to catch the hooligans because they don't know how to hide their tracks. And the real pros are hiding their tracks anyway, um, with what's going on. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Okay, CES 2021. Let's start for everyone who's not electronically uh, geekery and explain CES and how it's digital this year.
1: Yeah, Consumer Electronics Show usually happens in Las Vegas at the beginning of every year. And like so many things, it's online this year. And it's a bit subdued as a result. I mean, they've done a great job of putting together the trade show online, um, but it's just not the same watching Some of these um, talks and panel discussions and things like that, you kind of have to be in that environment to really get the craze of it. Um, But that hasn't stopped the electronics manufacturers from announcing and revealing and coming up with some pretty cool things.
0: What's your favorite thing that you've seen there?
1: Um, I like LG is taking their OLED stuff to a whole new level. They've got an 83-inch model of the the new... Th- this last year, it was the CX or the C10 and the BX, B10, and they've um, incremented the model numbers now to one. So it's B1, C1, G1, and Z1. They've now got an 83-inch C1. Um, the G1 is so thin, it's almost flush with your wall when you mount it. Uh, and they've got some settings changes that they've done with their OLED TVs too. So if you're a gamer, they've collapsed, they've grouped all of the settings for the TV in one spot in the user interface. And so it's really easy to go in and change settings for, optimizing what your games are going to look like. And they've actually got a setting that automatically sets things depending on what genre of game you're playing. So if you're playing a first-person shooter game, which is something you really need to have a good refresh rate so that you can respond to what's going on around you, um, it will automatically make those changes. If you're playing a, a, a role playing adventure game and you want to have the visuals a little stronger, better resolution and less refresh, it will make those changes for you. So that's pretty cool. And the LG's also got this InstaView refrigerator. This is the one that's got the window on the door. Um, so you can actually see. What's inside your fridge without you even needing to open the door? and And what they've got now is the window actually it's it's opaque until you knock on the door. So it looks like it's just a plane of glass. But if you knock on the door twice, the glass clears and becomes transparent, and then you can see what's inside. It's pretty cool. And they've also added a UV light to sanitize the water dispenser nozzle so uh, you don't have to worry about it getting covered in bacteria.
0: Oh, that's cool. And uh, dads all over the world rejoice for all of the children standing there with the door open, staring at the fridge. Uh, pretty cool. <laughs> all right, Lucasfilm Games, Star Wars video games, which I bought one of them over Christmas, by the way. It's fantastic. Um, what do we got here?
1: Yeah, Lucasfilm Games is got it started back in 1982. It was George Lucas deciding that maybe there was a way to play around in the game space and the way that he was playing around in the movie space. And originally, they made their own games, um, and they were sort of publishing them through others. And then later on in the 80s, they started publishing their own games, Um, And that's where some formative adventure games like The Secret of Monkey Island and Maniac Mansion and Grim Fandango, they were all coming from LucasArts, some really amazing groundbreaking games at the time. Um, Knights of the Old Republic, which was the first Star Wars role-playing game developed by BioWare, was released in 2003. By then, Lucasfilm Games was known as LucasArts, and everything changed over the past few years, and the internal development at LucasArts kind of went away. They decided they weren't going to make their own games anymore. They were going to license that to others. And what we learned this week is the Lucasfilm Games brand is back, but they're not going to do their own development. They're still going to work with other developers the thing that we've learned over the past couple of days is it's no longer just EA who's going to be making these games. Electronic Arts in uh, 2000, and, uh, I was going to say 2003, but I don't think that's right. They, they signed an exclusive deal to make all of the Star Wars games for um, Lucas. That exclusivity is now gone. Today, we heard that Ubisoft's massive entertainment which is based in Sweden, is working on an open-world Star Wars game that is probably going to come out in 2023.
0: Wow. Well, we look forward to that. Blaine Kylo at Solocore, solocore.com, to see the blog and all of the reviews of the stuff he does. Thanks so much for spending the time, Blaine. It's great to hear you. You too, Shane. Have a good week.